You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Knowing God. Part 5. Enjoy. You got your seatbelts on. I'm going to share some things with you today that might sound like a fairy tale. Uh, to some, it might sound ridiculous. To some, it might sound like a strange foreign doctrine. But it is Jesus nonetheless. We've been talking about knowing God. Seatbelts are on, right? Religious headphones are off. Religious goggles are off. To know God is to go through life with an unshakable confidence. To know God is to go through life with an unshakable confidence. Free from fear forever. Because knowing God builds a confidence in you that's not from this earth. It's from the Father's throne. When you know God, you realize 2 Corinthians 1.20 is for you. That no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen, the so be it is spoken by us and the glory of God manifests in our life as we realize the promises of God are for us now. Faith in the promises of God produces an unshakable confidence. Stay with me. This is going to get wild, all right? At Highway Church, we have a safeguard here. Our goal is not to bring people into a religious tradition. Our goal is to bring people into a relationship with the real Jesus. Now, if you're used to religious tradition, you might be shocked when you meet Jesus because he's totally free. He's not bound by anything. He's not depressed or discouraged in any way. He's absolute joy. He's perfect confidence. He's perfect power. He's perfect love. And the closer you get to him, the more of those things you start, start to show up in your life. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now, at this very moment in time, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. We are sure when you come into a relationship with God, if you'll take him at his word, if you'll let him be God in your life and not discount what he says because of your religious tradition, if you'll let Jesus be Jesus, a transformation will take place on the inside of you. You will become sure and certain of things that are not possible. Naturally speaking, you'll become sure and certain of things that are impossible with man. You'll begin living a supernatural life. How are we doing? Okay. See, 2 Corinthians 1.20 is important. It says the promises of God are yes to everyone through faith in Christ. Every promise God has made. The promises of God are the equipment that you need to fulfill your destiny. Remember in the last uh, couple of messages, we said there are two places you need to study. Oh, I can't hold my Bible with the mic. Oh, no. All right. There are two places you need to study in the Bible if you want to know the nature and will of God. Remember the first one? It's Jesus, right? In Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Study Jesus. Don't let anything cause you to deviate from the person and ministry of Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the nature of God in the flesh. The second place in the Bible is what? The promises of God. 2 Peter 1 verse 4 tells us that it's through his promises that we become partakers of his nature. All right? You okay? You're doing all right because we're, we're, we're going higher, and I, I want you to come with me. Psalm 91 verse 4 says this. Can you put that up there, please? Eden, Psalm 91 verse 4. It says, he will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. Look at this verse. His faithful promises 
are your armor and protection. (laughs) What if I don't know his promises? I'm buck naked. As far as the devil's concerned, I'm a wide open target. As believers, we've got to major in the promises of God. His promises are our armor and our protection. We have to fill our minds with them. We have to be hearing messages like you're hearing today, like you hear at Highway Church regularly. That's why you can go put our website up there, Eden, highwaychurch.us. It's all free. But if you go to highwaychurch.us and that orange button right there, if you, have, uh, if you don't have an Apple device, you can click on the orange button and that will take you directly to our podcast device. If you have a, a podcast page, if you have an Apple device, you can click on the Apple and that will take you to our podcasts in the iTunes store. They're all free. All the messages we've, we've, we've preached are there. But they will, they, will, they will build an armor around you. They will cause you to become strong because we preach the promises of God here. We preach the person of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, and the promises of God. Who he is, what he's done for us, and who we are in Christ. That's what we major on at Highway Church because we believe that covers everything. All right? So Jennifer and I were talking this past week, and we were driving one evening, and we we were just talking about how thankful we are for the ministries we've chosen to connect with over the decades, over the years, are ministries that teach you how to practically apply the finished work of Christ to your everyday life teach you how to go through the scriptures to grab a hold of his promises and apply them to your daily life, that teach you how to know God's will for your life, right? This is the confidence that we have, that if we know his will, whatever we ask, we know we have it, right? That teach you how to hear God in your everyday life, that teach you how to flow with the Holy Spirit, to teach you how to walk in the victory that Christ provided for you. We're so thankful for that. To know God is to go through life with an unshakable confidence. How can you develop an unshakable confidence in your life? Because this might sound impossible in the world we're living in with all the things that are going on, with all the stuff we've been through, or maybe stuff we're facing right now. How can you develop an unshakable confidence in your life? By filling your mind, your heart, with the promises of God and practice applying them to your life every day. That's how it works. You listen to messages like this. You get in your Bible, you go through, you're like a promise hound, right? Anytime you come across a promise of God in the Bible, (laughs) You eat it, right? You grab a hold of that. That's mine because of Jesus. You meditate on it. You speak it over your life. You believe it. And then you practice applying it in your daily life. To have faith in the promises of God is to be certain that they are true for you now. Now. Not in heaven. Now. Your seatbelts are on, right? Religious goggles are off. We don't have time for religious games. We need Jesus now. You're not going to need any protection in heaven. There's no danger there. There's no evil there. You're not going to need healing in heaven. There's no sickness there. We need the promises of God manifest in our daily lives now. That's why he gave them to us. 
Jesus came so that the promises of God would be our provision today. That's why Satan is trying to steal the word from your heart. When you hear messages like this, he'll come along with all kinds of thoughts. I mean, what, what is he talking about? How can he say that? I haven't been taught. My church, I, 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 that, that's, that's contrary to the religious doctrine I've learned. Go to Jesus and never leave him. Study him in the scripture. See if what I'm not sharing with you today is not Jesus, okay? If it's Jesus, grab a hold of it. If it's not, throw it in the trash, all right? Satan knows this. Hear me. I, I really feel, a, and I felt it this week as I was preparing for today, an urgency to bring this to you. Satan knows, because he's been around for a long time, a lot longer than we have. He knows that if you will stay with the promises of God and don't quit, they will manifest in your life. He knows that. He knows if you grab a hold of the reality that Jesus has stamped every promise of God with a big fat yes, and you begin meditating on them, you keep them in your mind, you use your will. Remember, your will is the remote of your mind. You, you decide to keep your mind stayed on who Jesus is, what he's done for you, and who you are in him. Satan knows that, that those things will begin to manifest in your life if you stay with it. So he's trying to steal the word of God from you. How does he do that? Through doubts, fears, religious doctrine. That's really what the fight of faith, the good fight of faith is. Say You're believing God for his promises and Satan's trying to stop you from believing God. That's all it is. He's fighting to stop you. From, from continuing in faith. That's what he's doing. That's his objective, to get you to stop believing in what God has provided for you through Christ, to get you to give up on it, right? And all of us have experienced things that are not God's will for our lives. All of us have. Why? We're all living on planet Earth, right? Satan is the God of this world. That's what Jesus taught. He called him the ruler of this world. Paul called him the God of this world. We see in Romans that Satan seized the sovereignty, Romans chapter 5, 17, over the earth, right? How did he do that? Through Adam's fall, right? God made man the authority in this earth. Man gave that to Satan through sin, right? Satan became the God of this world. I know this is contrary to a lot of things that are taught in churches, but God is not controlling everything that happens in the earth. The Bible does not teach that. Jesus didn't teach that. If God was controlling everything that happened in the earth, then Jesus was rebuking his own father for, the, for a, a good part of his ministry. He rebuked storms. He rebuked demons. He rebuked sickness. If that was from his father, he was rebuking his father, and a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. So you have believers walking around today that don't know the nature of God, that are accepting things that are happening in the earth, and they don't understand why, if God was such a loving God, why did that tragedy happen? Because God's not in control of what's happening in the world. We're living in a fallen world. Satan is the God of this world. But if you'll fill your mind and heart with his promises, they will become your armor and your protection, and Satan will not be able to touch you. No harm or evil will come near you. This might sound crazy, but we're going to look at this today. And I felt an urgency to, to share this with you for whatever reason. We're going to look first at the pro some promises of God so you don't think I'm making this up. We're just going to read it right out of the scriptures. And then we're going to look at, probably have time for one example of real life application of these promises. The promises of God will never be real to you until you practice them. All right? We're going to start with Psalm 23. How are we doing? Are we okay? okay. Seatbelts are on, right? 
Your can of dereligification spray is under your chair, right? Let's just pick that up and spray ourselves a little bit. Okay. Good. Psalm 23. Now, before we read this, I just think it's funny that this psalm is often read at funerals. That makes no godly sense whatsoever. Not trying to offend anyone. It makes no sense to read Psalm 23 at a funeral. It has nothing to do with going to heaven. Is that shocking? Which shows you how many ministers are ignorant of the now reality of God's promises. I'm telling you, you have to, to stand up and grab a hold of what I'm sharing with you because this goes against the grain of most uh, a lot of tradition. But I want Jesus more than the approval of man. I don't mind getting kicked out of a circle if it's because I'm following Jesus. You know, one of our favorite shows as a family, we watched an episode last night. We bought all the seasons on DVD back in the day before they had uh, Netflix and Amazon Prime. Is Little House on the Prairie. We're going to read Psalm 23. I mean, it's a fun show. A lot of colorful characters, some good life lessons in there. But there's this reverend on there, Reverend Alden. He wouldn't know God from Barney the Purple Dinosaur. He is clueless when it comes to God. I, I watch these shows and I hear some of the things he said. And I said, he has no idea who Jesus really is. But he is symbolic. He's representative of a lot of people's concept of what a minister is. Just kind of be the, try and be the peacekeeper in the town and give some, you know, maybe some positive advice every now and then. Not, not here. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Fresh, hot, resurrected, reigning forever, seated at the right hand of God. Jesus is what we're giving you here. Psalm 23 is for you today. You're going to see that as we just read it without our religious goggles on. Now, who is Psalm 23 written by? Do you know? Yeah, David. What did David do in the beginning of his life? He was a shepherd. Now, let's not any shepherds in here. Probably not, right? It's, it's not an occupation that we see commonly in this region of the country, right? But let's, let's think about this. This is how practical and how real the Bible is. This boy is a shepherd. He does this day in and day out. It's his job. Okay? This is his life when he gets up in the morning. He's a shepherd. This is his daily life. He's practicing. He knows very well that the sheep need to be provided for. They need green pastures. They need good water. He knows very well that there are enemies, that there are predators trying to eat these sheep. He's a shepherd. These are things that a shepherd knows. This is his real life. Somewhere along the line, we know David worshiped God. We can, we can see that, in, that it was cultivated as a young boy in his life as you read his writings. So as he's going to work, put it wherever you work today, whatever job you do, as he's going to work, he's worshiping God on his job. He's trusting in the Lord. He's meditating on his character and nature in the scriptures. And somewhere along the line, as he's uh, leading the sheep to green pastures and good water, as he's protecting them, he has a revelation of the nature of God. And he's saying, here I am, a shepherd taking care of these sheep. Wait a minute. The Lord is my shepherd. Daily life has nothing to do with a funeral. This is going to work and realizing God is caring for you.
You following me? Get funerals out of your mind. This is your daily life. He's going to work. He's, he's caring for a sheep, and he's saying, wait a minute. This is what God wants to do for me. The Lord is my shepherd. If that's the case, I'll never lack again. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That word want there is lack. Verse 2. He makes me. He does this because he's my shepherd. I do this for the sheep. He does this for me. This couldn't be more real to David. See, it's when the promises of God become real in your daily life that you begin to experience him. That's why religion is so dangerous. It puts God off at some future date and no one knows when that is. It's time to know him now on your job. He makes me to lie down, just like I make these sheep lie down in green pastures. He does this for me. He leads me beside still waters, just like I lead the sheep to still waters so they can be uh, refreshed and, 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 and relaxed and enjoy what I'm providing for them. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads me in paths that produce fruit and are profitable. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Well, maybe that's why they read this at funerals. It's talking about death. Hold on a minute. Where is the valley of the shadow of death? Right here. Matthew chapter 4, verse 16 says that those sitting in the region and shadow of death saw a great light. Where is that region? Planet Earth is the valley of the shadow of death. What is David saying? I'm realizing that you're my shepherd and that even though I'm living in this world where there are famines and tornadoes and plagues and predators, I will fear no evil. Why would this apply to going to heaven? What do you have to fear there? There's no evil there. This is for you now. Are we doing okay? Though I'm living in this world, I will fear no evil. Why? Because I'm a tough guy. No. Because you're with me. Because you made heaven and earth, you put the stars in the sky, and you're daily caring for me. And you're bigger than anything that could ever come against me. Your rod, he had a rod, he had a staff. Your rod and your staff, they're going to comfort me. Knowing you're protecting me from predators, from enemies with your rod, knowing that you're guiding me with your staff gives me comfort daily. You're never going to read Psalm 23 the same again. If you have, one, have it hanging on your refrigerator, go home and eat it. What is David doing? Psalm 23, by the way, is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Do you know the Bible is like that? It will reveal Jesus is in every book. You'll see Psalm 23 is a revelation of the person and ministry of Jesus Christ. He's the, what did he say? I am the good shepherd, right? We're going to continue with Psalm 23, but I want to connect Psalm 23 and Psalm 91. Psalm 91 is another revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the secret place of the Most High. Did you know that? Our lives have been hidden with Christ in God. That's in Colossians. So we'll come back to Psalm 23, but now we're going to go to Psalm 91 too. What is David doing? David is speaking the promises of God over his life, on his job. Now, you don't have to stand there and shout those things in the office and, and get fired. I'm not talking about that. But rolling around inside of you, Softly on your lips as you go throughout the day are the promises of God. 
no matter what project or situation may come up at work, no matter what's going on in the office or the factory or the store that you're in, these promises are rolling off your tongue. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. See the first two words there? I will. Remember what your will is? It's the remote that sets the channel of your mind. What are you saying? I'm determining that my mind is going to be stayed on him. That my mind is not going to be afraid or worry because he's my refuge. He's my fortress. He's my God. I've determined that I am going to trust in him. Verse 5. Now, if you're not familiar, these promises might sound impossible. Or, or too good to be true, but they're true. Verse 5 says this, You shall not be afraid of the terror of the night, of the stuff you're seeing on the news or hearing that goes on in the nation or world we live in, nor of the arrow, the evil plots and slanders of the wicked that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor of the destruction and sudden death that surprise and lay waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand. Remember the promises of God are your armor and protection. And therefore, it shall not come near you because nothing can penetrate the armor of God. Or maybe God's short-sighted. This was written a long time ago. Maybe God didn't know what we'd be facing in 2018. You know, this was good for the psalmist back in the day, but now, you know, we've got technology and nuclear weapons and all kinds of I mean, biological, chemical weapons and warfare and, and terrorists. And I want you to know this is just as true today as it was when it was written. Listen closely. Evil will never progress beyond the provision and protection of God for your life. Evil will never progress beyond the provision and protection of God for your life. Verse 8, only a spectator shall you be. Look at this, yourself. That's why I said this is you if you're in Christ. Yourself inaccessible in Jesus, the secret place of the Most High. That's Colossians 3.3. Our lives are hidden with God in Christ. As you witness the reward of the wicked, because, not because you're a Hollywood tough guy, not because you can bench 300 pounds, not because, you know, you, you, you eat certain foods, it's because you have set the channel of your mind on the Lord. You have made the Lord your refuge and the most high, you, the place where you live. You've made the promises of God, the atmosphere you breathe, and the food that you eat. Oh, boy, this is heaven. This is newsflash from heaven there there in the dwelling place of God shall no next verse no zero percent evil befall you where in Christ when you're choosing to abide and live in him that's why it's so dangerous to let the Satan pull you off onto some tangent. So this is, we're dwelling in him. No, no plague or calamity will even come near your house. 
Anybody living in a tent? For he, why? Look at this. He's giving an assignment to angels because he loves you so much. He's assigning his angels a special charge over you to accompany you everywhere you go, to defend you, to preserve you in every single one of your ways. See, when you know God, you go through life with an unshakable confidence because of what he's promised us, what he's provided for us through Christ. Are we just reading the Bible? Is this good to do in church? It it would be highly recommended, right? We read it and we believe it. Yeah, practice it. Apply it. They shall bear you up on their hands lest you dash your foot against the stone. Wow. You shall now, okay, maybe God's, God's going too far here. Look at this next verse. You shall tread upon the lion and adder. It's a poisonous snake. The young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Look at the New Living Translation. You will trample down lions and cobras. Just picture that. Picture yourself stepping on lions and cobras. That's a powerful vision, isn't it? Those are dangerous things, aren't they? Yeah, that's impossible with man. What God has brought us into a supernatural protection. And it's time for God's people to stop being afraid and stand in the provision of God for their life. Look at the living Bible. Wait, no, we're not even done with that one. You will crush fierce lions. You're a cobra crusher. You're crushing cobras, man. You'll crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. Look at the living Bible. You can safely meet a lion or step on poisonous snakes. Yes, even trample them beneath your feet. Now, some people may have checked out already. This is ridiculous. This is some kind of weird doctrine, some kind of space-age, foreign, ungodly thing. This, my friends, is Jesus. Let me show you. Luke 10, 18 and 19. Jesus said to his disciples, I beheld Satan, the snake of all snakes, as lightning fall from heaven. Look at the next verse. Behold, understand, grab a hold of what I'm about to say to you. I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. What do you mean? I, I, thought, I thought these poisonous things were from God. Listen, when God made the earth, animals didn't need each other. Nothing attacked anything. It was perfect peace and harmony on the earth. No poisonous things. What happened? The curse of sin came upon the earth. Adam fell. Satan became the god of this world, and everything got twisted and perverted. It was never God's plan for a, a, a scorpion to sting someone or a, or a rattlesnake to bite someone's heel. But Jesus says, I'm giving you power to tread on these deadly things. And over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. What? And nothing shall by any means hurt you. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. And some people say, well, he's speaking figuratively. We're going to see that in a moment. That's not true. Mark 16, verses 17 and 18. And these signs shall follow everyone. Nope. Nope. I thought God's will was automatic. Who told you that? I thought everything that happened was God's will. Who told you that? Jesus didn't. Listen, you have to purposefully engage with the promises of God if you want God's will to happen in your life. You have to resist Satan. You have to grab a hold of who Jesus is, of what he's done for you, and you don't you dare let go of it. 
There's nothing automatic about it. You have to put the channel of your mind on Jesus and never take it off. They show oh, you, you want to hit me. Okay, them that believe, you got me. Okay. And these signs shall follow them that believe. So if I believe, no sign. If I don't believe, they won't follow, right? It won't happen. See, this is the way it works in the kingdom of God. You believe that you have it before you see it. Religion can't understand this. Religion says that's crazy. No, Jesus said, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. See? That's why faith says, Hebrews 11.1, 1, it's faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see, certain of what we currently are not experiencing with our five senses. We're sure not because of the way we feel, but because of what God has said. That his word and our faith in his word is all the evidence we need. In my name, this is Jesus talking, they shall cast out devils. I felt there was a spirit of infirmity in my room this morning when I woke up. Jennifer was in the shower and I said, spirit of infirmity. Get out and never come back in the name of Jesus Christ. They shall speak with new tongues. What if you don't believe that? What happened? People say, well, I don't believe that speaking in tongues is for everybody. Well, you're going to miss out on one of the most powerful provisions of God for your life. The decision is yours. I'm going to eat it. I'm too hungry. Where am I here? They shall take up serpents. Oh, Jesus, you've gone too far now. He's fearless, isn't he? Jesus was fearless. And you will be too if you put your mind on him. And if they drink any deadly thing, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now, for those who would say, well, this is all figurative, which doesn't make any sense because Jesus demonstrated these things in his ministry. Acts 28, verse 3, Paul is on the Isle of Malta. I don't know how to say it. Malta, something like that. And he's making a fire after just surviving a shipwreck. And he's putting wood on the fire. A viper, a poisonous snake, latches onto his hand. This is real life. Like David in a real life field with lions and bears and predators. This is Paul living real life following Jesus. And a poisonous snake comes out of a real fire with real wood and bites his real hand. There's nothing figurative about this. And the natives of that island know what that snake is, and they're waiting for him to swell up and die. But he shakes it off in the fire, and it says he felt no harm. That same life is in you if you're in Christ. That same life is in you if you're in Christ. So, you know, if I see a picture or a movie of snakes or something deadly, I just imagine myself in Christ. If I was in that situation, I'd walk right through it. No harm befalling me. See, that's what our imagination is for, to see yourself doing what God has called you to do. Imagination is very powerful. All right, Psalm 91, verse 14. Psalm 91, verse 14, then we'll finish Psalm 23. We'll look at one example and we'll be done. Psalm 91, verse 14. See the because? There wouldn't be any becauses in the Bible if everything was automatic. There'd be no ifs in the Bible if God's will was automatic. You have to choose it and you have to stay in it. Come on. The days of being a scaredy pants and a crybaby are over. It's time to choose the will of God and stay in it. 
We don't have time to be offended. We don't have time to poop our pants. We've got to go forward and be the people God made us to be. Because, because he has set his love upon me. There's that remote. I remember there was a show years ago called Friends, back in the 90s or something. And I heard a lot of people were watching it. So I said, I'll check it out. I watched about two minutes of it, and that's all I could watch. Because most of it was like sexually perverted, immorality. You had these handsome, beautiful people sleeping with each other, treating something holy and sacred as very casual. And I said, hi, I can't watch this. And that's probably about all I've ever seen of that show is about two minutes. And maybe like a year later, I said, I'll try another episode. Same thing. It's like, why would I want to watch that? Because he set his love upon me. See, Netflix is important. What you choose to watch or Amazon Prime. Whatever. I want my love to be set on him, not on some Hollywood actor or actress. I don't have time to be distracted and pulled off into lustful thinking. I've got a destiny to fulfill. I'm setting my love upon Jesus Christ. Therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he knows and understands my name. Why? He knows. He has a personal knowledge, an experiential knowledge of my mercy, my love, my kindness. He trusts and relies on me knowing Sure and certain. Do you see the confidence here? This unshakable confidence that comes from an experiential, personal knowledge of God? When you know and understand who he is and what he's done for you, because he trusts and relies on me, knowing I will never, it's impossible, I will never, under any circumstance, at any time, for any reason, I will never forsake him. No, never. Jesus wants you to have that kind of confidence for the rest of your life. That's why God put it in the book. Knowing being sure and certain. What's Daniel 11.32 say? But they that do know their God will be strong and do exploits. So we know that they do, who do not know their God will be weak and do nothing for him. Right? Daniel 11.32. They who, the people who know their God will be strong and do exploits. All right, let's finish Psalm 23, then we'll look at one example of this, and then we'll be done. Verse 5, here's the shepherd on the job getting a revelation from the Holy Spirit of the nature of his father. You prepare a table before me. Smack dab in the middle of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. That's the Holy Spirit. You filled me with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. My cup is running over. Surely, it's a fact, Jack. Certain, I'm certain, I'm sure. I personally know and understand this that goodness and mercy shall follow me all, 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 all the days of my life. And I personally, right, I've exercised my will to set the channel of my mind on my father. And I'm not going to take it off for anyone. I refuse to be tempted to contemplate other things. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In other words, I'm choosing to stay in Christ. I'm choosing to make Jesus the air that I breathe. 
I'm choosing to make Jesus the food that I eat. I'm choosing to make Jesus the house that I live in. Now, how are we doing? Good? Let's finish this morning with one example. There are many in the scriptures. But one example of this, let's go back to Daniel chapter 3. There is no such thing as God not delivering you. Impossible. There's no such thing as God not coming through for you. Listen closely. When your mind is stayed on him, when you're abiding in him, when you are in Bible faith, sure and certain, there are no but what ifs in your mind. There are no but what about in your vocabulary. So if you've got some but what ifs and but what about, you know you're not in faith. Because faith is sure. Faith is certain. When you're sure and certain, you don't say but what about or but what if. That's being unsure and uncertain. You see that? We try and fake things sometimes. We, we, we try and pretend we're in faith and we give God a bad reputation. Are you asking about why or but what if, but what about? Then listen, that's not faith, guys. Bible faith, you have this personal certainty and sure that nothing can take away. So in Daniel chapter 3, I'm just going to summarize for time's sake. God's people were taken captive by a pagan nation, the nation of Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar was the pagan king. And he built, which must have been an impressive site, a gold image that was nine stories tall, about 90 feet tall. Must have been just like, wow, you know, of gold. Can you imagine that? And he assembled this royal orchestra. And he said, when you hear my royal orchestra play, that is your cue to bow down and worship this beautiful, breathtaking image of gold that I've made. But some of God's people didn't listen. I don't know how many, but we have a record of three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They did not listen to the culture they were in. They were not politically correct. They did not bow down to a man. They recognized, and you recognize the same thing, that if a man or a woman tells you to do something that is contrary to the nature of God the Father, you say no. Because there is a higher authority than any president, than any king, than any queen, than any diplomat, and it's the authority of our Father. We honor our leaders, we honor those who are in authority, but when it comes, if it's a contradiction between the person and nature of God and, and morality and the things that are pleasing to God, there's no option. We're not going to do it. Because he's our authority. He is our true king, right? So some tattletales run and tell the king, these three young Hebrew men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're not, they're not on the same channel. They won't change the channel. They're not worshiping. They're not listening to the music that you're pumping out. And King Nebuchadnezzar gets furious in verse 13. In his rage and fury, he commands these three Hebrew followers of God, and we can tell by their confidence that these three young men meditated in the Scriptures. There's no other way to act this way. So he has them brought before him. And, he, and here, here's what I want to show you. You're going to see as we go over this how religion has robbed so many of an unshakable confidence. Religion has taught what I'm about to teach uh, erroneously. You're going to see it. All right? But stay with me. Are we awake? Okay, pinch your cheek. Pinch the person next to your cheek. This one. Okay. Slap yourself a couple times. Okay. So he, he brings these three young men before him in his rage and fury. 
That's what the scripture says. So I imagine he's, he's, pretty, he's pretty hot right now. And he gives them a scenario. And this is where you have to stay awake. Please stay awake. We're almost done. You got to get this. If you miss this, you miss unshakable confidence. You miss everything we've talked about. This is a real life example. This is not a fairy tale. This is not a cute story for kids. This is an account of real men and real women who followed God. The Old Testament and New Testament, right? So the king, in his rage and fury, gives them a scenario. He says, if, verse 15, if you hear the music and fall down and worship, it will be well with you. All right, that's the first if. He gives them two ifs. Very important. You'll see why in just a moment. If you fall down and worship, when you hear the music, it will be well with you. Okay, first if. What's the second if? If you worship not. Sounds like Satan and Jesus is in the desert, right? If you'll just bow down and worship me, all these things will be yours. Don't you ever buy that garbage. Don't you bow down to anyone else but Jesus. That could be an invitation, uh, an adulterous invitation from a woman or a man. No one will know. We can just do this on our own, take off somewhere, and no one will ever know. Don't you ever even consider that. That's Satan talking, and he will destroy you if you listen to him, if you give him that place in your life. I'm telling you, there's some things coming out by the Holy Spirit. Whoever they're for, grab them. So if you worship not, we're going to take your bodies and we're going to throw them into the midst of a a fiery furnace. And who is that God that can deliver you out of my hands? What's he doing? He's exalting himself above God, right? He's saying, basically, I'm God. No one can deliver you out of my hands. So what is the if? If you worship, it will be well with you. If you do not worship, we're going to throw you into the furnace. You've got the ifs? You'll see why this is important. I'm emphasizing this for a reason. Now, they respond to him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful because we've cast all our cares on the Lord. Right? We are not careful to answer you in this matter. Now, here's the scenario, and you'll see there are some English translations that are wrong. I want to show you that in a second. The first thing they say, next verse, verse 17, if it be so, if what be so, if you throw us into the furnace, you following me? It's a simple logic, but religion has messed this up. They say, if it be so, if you throw us into the furnace, that's what they're talking about, right? The God whom we serve is able to deliver us, and he's willing to deliver us. Do you see that? He's able to deliver us, and he will deliver us. That's an unshakable confidence. This is real life for them. The king of the nation they're in is is threatening them. They're surrounded by his his, uh, soldiers and the furnaces there. This is real life. This is a snake coming at you. If you throw us in the furnace, our God is able to deliver us and he will deliver us. What gives you this confidence? 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence we have before God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us and we know that we have what we've asked him. It's God's will for you to be safe. Now here's where religion misses it. Verse 18. This is the King James. I think it's the King James. There are a number of others. Uh, the English Standard Version, the New King James, actually translate the Hebrew correct here. In the Hebrew, there are only three words at the beginning of verse 18. Remember, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. It literally says, but if not. If you have an English translation that says, but even if he does not, that is completely wrong. That is not in the manuscripts. 
Some Bible translator got a, got a goofy religious idea and inserted those words. There are mistakes in English translation. Don't want to shock you. How do you recognize those mistakes? Study Jesus. Don't deviate from the ministry and person of Jesus. So I'm going to, are we okay? Can we finish this? He says, but if not, what did he just say? But if, if you throw us into the furnace, our God is able and will deliver us. If you don't throw us in the furnace. This is so simple when you take your religious goggles off. That's what he said. If you throw us in the furnace, God will deliver us. If you don't throw us in the furnace, we're still not going to worship your God. Doesn't that make sense now? That makes perfect sense. You're threatening to throw us in the furnace if we don't worship your God. If you throw us in there, we're not going to worship your God. If you don't throw us in there, we're still not going to worship your God. It would make no sense if he said that if you throw us in the furnace, our God is able to deliver us and he will deliver us, but even if he doesn't. Why? What would happen if they got thrown into the furnace and God didn't deliver them? They'd be ashes. They're not going to do anything anymore. As far as Nebuchadnezzar is concerned, if that was their response to him, he wouldn't have gotten mad. He thought, boy, these guys are, they're, they're stupid. Toss them in, right? They wouldn't make any sense. Do you see this? I know there's a big religious barrier here. Do you see what they really said? If you throw us in, God will deliver us. If you don't, we're not going to worship your gods, which makes perfect sense. Now, that's when Nebuchadnezzar becomes furious, and he heats the furnace up seven times more, so much so that he commanded his best soldiers to throw them in there. And in verse 22, it says, the flame of the fire slew the men that threw them in. This is real life. See? Nebuchadnezzar is astonished, and he says, didn't we, in verse 24, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the furnace? And they said, true, O king. And he says, look, lo, I see four men loose, free, unafraid, walking in the midst of the fire. They were thrown in bound. They went to the floor and came up loosed free and they have no hurt sounds like psalm 23 sounds like psalm 91 sounds like psalm 121 psalm 34 psalm there's many of them sounds like luke 10 18 and 19 mark 16 15 through 18 acts 28 verse 3 see the holy spirit will tie this all together in your heart you'll see that god's protection is true for you today and they have no hurt, zero hurt. They're standing in the middle of a furnace that just slew the people that threw them in, and they're they're harmed, they're unharmed. And the form of the first of the fourth is like the Son of God. It was Jesus. Right? They were dwelling in Christ. They had made God their house. They take them uh, out of the furnace. In verse 27, it says, Upon their bodies the fire had no power supernatural nor was a hair of their head singed neither were their coats changed nor the smell of fire had passed on them not only that in verse 30 the king then promotes each one of them not only will he deliver you he will promote you if you'll stay with him I believe that's what the Lord wanted me to share today. And I'm glad I did. Eat it. Grab a hold of it. Let's go higher. Father, thank you for your amazing love. Lord, you're too much. You are too much. It just seems like you're too good to be true, but you are. And we choose to believe your word. We exercise our will to keep our mind on your channel for the rest of our lives. Jesus, we love you. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life 
He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.